Welcome to the Pardes Ayeka podcast on inspired parenting. Dasi Berkowitz, director of Becoming a Soulful Parent, together with Tova Lea Nachmani, Pardes faculty member, will be reflecting on three spiritual practices that can help us prepare for Rosh Hashanah and the high holiday season ahead of us. For source sheets to accompany this podcast and for more online Torah learning for the holidays, visit www.elmod.pardes.org. Hi everyone, it's Dasi Berkowitz and Tobalea Nachmani. And in our series, we are focusing on spiritual practices for inspired parenting. We've been thinking about the traditional paradigm that we find in the Rosh Hashanah liturgy, how teshuvah, tefillah, and stakah empower us to avert an evil decree, or in our language, really help us get unstuck. And today we want to reflect a little bit more about stakah. So what do we mean when we say tzedakah? We want to talk about tzedakah as generosity of spirit and also financial generosity. Right. So what's really compelling for both of us is how tzedakah is not just something that we do or we give, but it's really about cultivating a mindset of generosity. And before we jump into talking about it, we wanted to think together with you, who is the most generous person you know? What are the qualities that this person embodies? And what do you most admire about them? So we're going to literally give you three seconds just to conjure this person up in your mind. Again, who is the most generous person you know? And what are the qualities that this person embodies? And what do you most admire about them? So for me, when I think about generosity, um, I think about my parents, especially my mom, who I saw more often She was very on top of who needed things. She had her eyes wide open to the people around her for emotional support, for meals, for really anything that anyone needed. Mm, yeah, and when I think today, um, for me, the people who are the most generous, I would definitely still um, think about my mother also, my mother and also my sister, um, and really a lot of my closest friends who are parents with young kids. You know, I think they just give so much of themselves, their time, their energy. So when we think about staka as a spiritual practice, I think it's really about a quality of how we show up in the world. And I love what you said about your mother, that she had her eyes wide open to the people who really needed the help around her. Um, and that's what I really think this practice is really about. Are we open and aware to who needs our help? And are we honest with ourselves about the help that we're able to give and even our limits? Um, so even when we feel we were at our limit, and I know as a mom, I feel this way a lot of the time, like how could mm -hmm. I possibly give anything more? Can we really have the courage to make a distinction between when we have really reached our limit and can't give any more, and when we're really excusing ourselves and we can stretch a little bit more beyond our comfort zone? Mm -hmm. I love that idea of being realistic and mm -hmm. honest about what we can give and what we can't give. It's so important. When we think about stakai, we want to think about also what it, what would it mean to bring a conversation around stakai into our parenting? Mm. What would it mean to talk about that with our children? Um, as we spoke about with all the other spiritual practices, the only thing that our children will really learn from us is what we embody honestly. Mm. 
sometimes we can be generous financially. We can write our checks in private. We can have this whole practice of giving that our children never see. Mm. And I guess the question that I want to challenge myself with is um, how do we have conversations with our children so that they can be active members of a generous family. Right, right. And here I think that our Jewish sources really can help guide us, um, almost giving us talking points that can um, help us have those conversations out loud in our families. Um, and I think that by clarifying for ourselves, um, you know, we can really help um, our kids understand also, you know, what are the real kind of boiled them down to, to a few talking points. Um, and it kind of goes into a few categories that we want to talk about now of why do we give what do we give? And also, how do we give? So the first talking point that the Torah teaches us is that the need for giving is hardwired into the very nature of society. Um, source number 2A in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, There will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you should open and open again your hand to your brother, to your needy, and to your poor in your land. The fact that the need will always be there that's so evocative for me because hmm. if we walk around with our eyes wide open, if we wear the lenses of, hey, wait a minute, everyone has a need, then we will always be on the lookout for who it is. Who's in need at this moment and what can I give them? No, it's definitely a mindset that we as parents practice nonstop. You know, we're like surrounded by need constantly. Um, but our second talking point is really um, about why we give is that um, that we're actually all obligated to give, no matter how little we might have. Hmm. That's not an easy that's not an easy value to embody, I yeah. think, especially for kids. I remember once asking one of my children to join me in giving staka to a particular cause that I thought they would identify with, and they said, "But I barely have anything of my own. Mm-hmm. You want me to give to someone else?" And it's such a natural impulse to earn money and then want to spend it on ourselves. We do that all the time. That's, in fact, what our kids see us doing. We spend money on groceries, and we go out to eat, and we're buying clothing and shoes for ourselves and for them. And, you know, everything that we do that that revolves around money, like that's what our kids actually see. They see us spending money on ourselves and on them, on the family. Right, so so like getting back to this idea that we actually, you know, just have this obligation to give, um, right, that we have to share what we have and give something, um, and, you know, even no matter how little how little it is. So this is reflected in source number three from the Code of Jewish Law from the Shulchan Aruch. Um, the source talks about every person is obligated to give tzedakah, and even one who is supported by tzedakah is, requir- is requ- required to give from what he or she's been given. So you might think that a poor person who's supported by tzedakah isn't required to give, um, but even they are, right? There's, um, I, I just think that's an amazing idea, right? Everybody, it's about kind of that, that act of giving mm-hmm. um, is a key part. There's no one who's exempt. We're all... We're all you know, in it. Right, we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. There's this other idea from the Code of Jewish Law from the Shulchan Aruch that I really find quite provocative. Um, it talks about two poor people who must give tzedakah may exchange with each other. Hmm. So at face value, this seems ludicrous. If there are two poor people, why don't they just, why do they need to exchange their tzedakah with each other? Why can't they just keep what they have? Good question. Mm-hmm. They're done, mm-hmm. you know? But the implicit answer here is that by being a giver, 
and a receiver, no matter how much money or resources you might have, there is always a potential, um, or really there's this inherent potential for transformation for each of us, no matter who we are and no matter what we have. Hmm. So the third talking point that we want to that we want to build on is exactly what you're saying, that, mm. that tzedakah, that generosity has the power to change us, to literally transform us. Mm. Um, and in the language of our Rosh Hashanah paradigm that we've been using all along is that it averts an evil decree. In other, in other words, it holds the magic, giving, generosity, it holds the magic to get us unstuck, to get us unstuck by being both a giver and a receiver of tzedakah. How do you relate to that? Dasi, how does generosity or does generosity get mm. you unstuck? Yeah. So I think for me, um, giving charitably, whether with my time or money, it really helps me clarify my values. Um, we have this practice that we started doing just really last year or maybe two years ago. We started um, with my three kids and um, my husband. We would sit down as a family right um, after Rosh Hashanah, during the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, um, and think about what are the causes that we care most about as a family and then we would do this whole kind of creative arts activity to get the kids to say, you know, what they wanted to give money to, to, to kind of make, to rationalize why they wanted to give money to those causes as opposed to others. Um, but it was a really important conversation that we're able to have as a family. Hmm. That's a beautiful process. I really identify with that image also, that when we give with generosity, we're actually strengthening our identity. Our, our, our identities first by making choices to give at all mm. and the fact that you're doing that with your children I think is very important um, the making them really active participants in that process and second by making choices about to what causes we believe in what do we want to support mm. um, I think that that's really a very valuable thing to help our children do also they may have different values and want to support different causes than right. we want to support and I think that's a really uh, very significant conversation to have with our children it also makes me think about some uh, friends of ours who sit down every month and have um, a conversation about staka. Mm -hmm. Once a month they sit down and say, okay, this is who we've been giving to up until now. This is who we have, we've allotted to. These are the organizations or institutions. And um, do we stay with the same? Do you want to make a, a change? And so in a sense, uh, the, everyone in the family has their eyes wide open, we might say, to like new possibilities. Well, I heard about this new organization or a different organization. I think, you know, that this is this organization has value for reasons for various well, it's other such a reasons. Dynamic mm -hmm. process, mm -hmm. you know, that it, it that you do it every once a month. I think that's right. a beautiful idea. Mm -hmm. Um the part of giving that gets me unstuck is that it connects me with other people. It helps me to live a less isolated life within my own family and live a more interconnected life with other people. Um, by giving to other people, it makes me feel closer to them, makes me feel more intimately connected to their lives. Rob Dessler has a beautiful writing in his book, Strive for Truth, which is really counterintuitive. He asks the question, do we give to people whom we love, to people who we already care about, or by contrast, does giving to those who we don't necessarily love or care about as uh, naturally, does it increase our care and our love for them? So I think that's a very important thing. Of course, his answer is that the more we give, the more we love. Right. And I've definitely found that to be wow. true in terms of, um, you know. Right, it cultivates connection. Right, that's giving. right. Mm -hmm. What about receiving tzedakah? How does that 
get us unstuck? Right. Does it get us unstuck to be receivers of stucca? That's hard. Yeah, I know. It's a definitely, it's more of a challenge. You know, I know that for myself, I much prefer being on the giving end, actually, than on the receiving end. I actually find it a struggle to receive. I don't like asking for too much. And, um, you know, especially from people who are outside my immediate circle, um, my husband would tell you that I'm like a terrible patient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, once when my, my husband was actually traveling, I had the flu and a friend brought chicken soup over for me and I was so grateful you know so I think I try to remember that even when I'm in a position of need or vulnerability which might feel more uncomfortable for me um, that by allowing someone else by actually saying yes I'd like for you to bring Mm -hmm. me something and I actually need something or asking for it even outright it gives other people an opportunity to also assert their values their connection their their potential for love as Rev Dressler talks about it Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so I I try to keep that peace in mind right sometimes it's good to practice with little things asking for small things that we need because sometimes we need to ask for really big things Mm. Um, I remember when my husband and I were $15,000 $15,000 short on being able to make a down payment on our first apartment, um, our parents were the ones that we turned to financially. And we asked, we asked them if they could help us because we just didn't have, mm. you know, we just didn't have the money, enough money to be able wow. to do that. And our parents responded with so much generosity mm. and such, you know, I mean, there are parents, you could say, well, of course they did, but it's not obvious. That's a lot right. of money. And it's not obvious that, um, the way they responded, not just the fact that they responded, but it, it really made us feel understood. I feel like that it, it sort of got me unstuck in the sense that it it made me realize what it, what it feels like to people who are receiving money, what it feels like to not be judged, mm. what it feels like that someone can respect you and say, okay, you have a need, right. but I also respect that you're doing whatever you can do in order right. to provide for yourself, but yes, you have a need that you can't fulfill. Mm. Um, my parents at the time and my husband's mother also were respecting the efforts that we were making by working hard mm. while also recognizing that we just couldn't buy a normal apartment in a decent neighborhood without their help. Right, right. Wow, that's a uh, it's an amazing memory also to be surprised by what people can give us, you know, mm-hmm. um, and to put it out there and not, not, not have so much control over it because mm-hmm. I think that's another element of this giving and receiving that mm-hmm. we don't always know what's going to come our way yeah. um, and we might even be surprised. So I think that for me this idea of this personal transformation that's brought about by giving and receiving was really captured so beautifully by a wonderful rabbi and friend, um, teacher Janet Erbach, when she shared um, she shared in one of her um, talks, the more you give, the more you have, and the less you give, the less you have. Um, I just feel like that's um, that's you know such a great talking point to to end with, and it's a kind of a riddle for kids as well, right? Um, so just to think about what we were speaking about as we we're trying to cultivate these conversations about charitable giving, so that it's really out loud and you know um, invites our our kids to be a part of the conversation. Um, we talked about three reasons uh, about why we give, right? The first one is because there's always a need. The second is because we have to, right? It's an obligation. Even Mm -hmm. poor people do. And the third is because both giving and receiving transform us. Mm. Beautiful. Um, So the question that we want to think about now is what do we give? What do we give and who do we give to? Who do we choose to give to? Mm. While we can understand tzedakah as generosity in a broad sense with our time, with our spirit, 
the roots of generosity in our tradition are really very practical. Um, tzedakah, generosity, giving, is an obligation. It's an obligation to give a generous part of our income to those who are in need. So we all know the Rambam talks about giving between 10 and 20% of what we earn, mm-hmm. of what we have. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of literature out there about how to cultivate good practices around giving um, for our children. So my favorite book is Ron Lieber's book, uh, The Opposite of Spoiled, um, which really gives such practical advice around uh, developing children's consciousness around money, really from the moment that they can count. Um, and he talks about, you know, giving their allowance, you know, having kids think about these three buckets to put their allowance or any money that comes in into, right? One for saving, one for spending, and one for sharing. Hmm. I love that idea. That's adorable. It's something that could, I could immediately um, think about implementing with my with my own kids, mm. with myself, yeah. first and foremost. Um, there's really two different kinds of obligations to give tzedakah that I want to think about. Mm. You know, what do we do with that money that we set aside for sharing? So the first obligation is to people who we actually encounter because we're supposed to be first responders to give even in a, in a small way, even a very small amount, but to give, to not turn people away. That kind of giving is about opening our hand time after time. It says in Source 2B in Deuteronomy, if among you one of your brethren should become poor, in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you should not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you must continually open your hand and lend him what is sufficient for his need, whatever he lacks. That's one obligation, really to turn to the people, to be responding to them. As a parent, I love the image that Babies are born and they live the beginning of their lives with clenched fists. And that's important because clenching our fists is innate for survival. Mm -hmm. But people die with open palms. And I think the work of our life, as I once heard from someone, I don't remember who, but that stuck with me, is that opening our palms is the work of our life. Opening and opening and opening again. It says you must continually open your hand. And that's... um, what we need to do when we think about being first responders to people who turn to us mm-hmm. or people who are in our vision. Mm-hmm. The other obligation that we have in terms of tzedakah is preventative. It's to support people, to support organizations that make our society a kinder and a more just place for everyone. Yeah, you know, I mean, I love this idea of, um, you know, they were mentioning about having, you know, kind of living our lives with these open hands. Um, and I know how hard that can be also, you mm-hmm. know, that it's such a beautiful image. Um, but it's such hard work to always be open, to always be giving so much, um, you know, and, and I think that these sources are really challenging us in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, the next source challenges us to, to give with an open heart also, not only an open hand, mm-hmm. right? And source to be um, talks about take care lest there be a bad thought in your heart, right? This source comes to teach us that the way we give is really critical, you know, that um, with an open heart, with an open hand, um, you know, with a generosity of spirit when, right. when we're being asked. And some of us really don't do this. And I know for myself, sometimes I get kind of compassion fatigue, you know, mm-hmm. which can be definitely a challenge. Right. Um, so the Rambam addresses this in source number five, um, where he says, do not send a poor person away embarrassed. Hmm. 
If a poor person asks for tzedakah for themselves, I must give them something, mm. according to the Rambam. But I don't have to give them $100 or 100 shekels. I can just give them something small. I have the right to choose to whom to give a lot mm-hmm. and to whom to give a little. But when someone does come to me, um, and I live in a place where people come to our door all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in a community that I guess is known to be a generous community, and that's the blessing. And people come from all over to um, to our community and knock on our doors. And sometimes it can be exhausting. And yes, right. there is such a thing as compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really try to think about Avraham Avinu, right? How he welcomed his guests and how he right. like sat at the yeah, right, right, right. How he sat at the. Uh, opening of his tent and what he did for them. And so when someone comes to my door, I really have this practice, it's really almost like a spiritual practice, where whoever comes to ask for tzedakah, that in addition to giving them money, or while they're waiting till I go get my money, um, that I bring them something to drink. Mm-hmm. Apple juice, right? Mm-hmm. I offer them a bathroom, because a lot of times people are, you know, going from door to door, and they really don't have mm-hmm. a place to, you know, a, a clean or a nice place that has privacy. And I offer them a blessing. Mm. I usually say to people, like, may Hashem, you know, fulfill your need or your lack together with the lacks of all people. Some com- something like that. So wow. I really try to, like, it, embrace the person, engage them in some way. I usually ask them what their name is also. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really, I try to bring people in, even though I don't give them a lot of money. Most mm-hmm. of the money that I do choose to give, mm-hmm. I give to organizations and institutions. And the, the amount of money that I do leave aside to give to people who come to me spontaneously, I really try to give give it mm-hmm. to them in a way which um, um, which will help them feel like I care about them yeah. and help me feel. I mean, I think it's, you know, like yeah. we said, it makes an impression and it transforms me as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so just by the way, it's, I think it's important to state that this rule of giving to everybody who approaches you, it doesn't apply to a person who's collecting for an institution. In this case, we are not obligated to give anything, meaning we can choose not to give tzedakah to an institution or an organization because we want to donate elsewhere. And I think that's a really important thing mm-hmm. to come in, you know, to, to keep in mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's, a, it's such an important distinction that of just like kind of the, the bare humanity of mm-hmm. when you're encountered with another um, person, you know, mm-hmm. how are we relating to that person? How are mm-hmm. we connecting to them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think uh, if we want to be really open and honest about um, what our giving practices are and how to cultivate more generosity in uh, ourselves, um, I think we also really need to be aware and honest about what gets in the way you know i think all Mm -hmm. of us have challenges Mm -hmm. and um you know the two of us are sitting here and we've been thinking about this for you know many hours as we've been putting this podcast (laughs) together uh and lots of things have come up for us as well as we Mm -hmm. as we think about some of these beautiful pearls that we have from our traditional you know wisdom literature so for you what do you what's a kind of one that one piece that kind of gets in the way for you being generous. So I think for me, it's um, spending on our families. You know, mm-hmm. when we spend on their education, our children's education, and all of our basic needs for our families, like we can have very little left over at the end of a month for our charitable giving. And it raises real questions for us. How yeah. much, you know, what, what, what constitutes charitable giving even within our own family? Right. And where do we give beyond that? To mm-hmm. what extent can we really stretch ourselves to give beyond our own families um, while still recognizing the importance of giving our families the right and our children um, and ourselves the things that we that we do need? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I think that for me, um, you know, there's a real struggle with um, consistency and also with self-perception. You know, so mm-hmm. I think I, I perceive myself as a generous person that mm-hmm. I'm, you know, making meals for other people and I'm um, giving to people, um, you know, who are asking on the street um, or who come to my door, but not all the time. You know, I we recently had um, a situation where someone came up to us on the street and I gave, and I was thinking to myself, this is such a great teaching lesson. You know, I'm helping this person. I feel good. And my kids are here and we can talk about it and have this whole conversation. And later in the day, someone was knocking at our door Mm. and I said, you know, it's not a good time. It's bedtime. Mm. And my daughter said, well, who do you think that is? And I said, it's probably someone who's asking for charity. And she said, well, we have to open the door because you just taught me that that's an important (laughs) thing to do. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, I've gotten myself into a bind here. Uh So I think um, for me, it's a kind of consistency, um, whether, you know, for her that she's basically really um, she's she's kind of putting a mirror up to me and saying, Hey mom, you, you're teaching me this lesson, you know, like, do you really, do you really feel this? Um, and on the other side of it, for me to be able to say, you know what, now isn't a good time and now it's bedtime and, and I'm not ready to open the door. Um, but to be able to explain that to her kind mm-hmm. of clearly and openly, mm-hmm. but the next time we have the opportunity, we, we will open the door. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, but I think that that's definitely a struggle that's very alive for me. Um, and I appreciate being in relationship with my kids so that they can show me and they can, um, you know, and they really can keep me at my word. Yeah, we can learn a lot from from the kids um, mm-hmm. when they especially watch us with, you know, they really, they have, I think that their eyes are most wide open more than anyone else's Absolutely. and they catch us at everything that we do well and we don't do well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, these obstacles to generosity, both financial and personal, they're very, very real as parents especially. Mm-hmm. And we need to look at them and we need to also be open to these obstacles changing as we grow and change. Right. Um, I found for myself that only when I developed a regular practice of giving in an organized way, in a file, on the desktop of my computer that I could look at really every month, was I able to feel like I was making consistent progress toward cultivating this spiritual practice of giving with generosity and doing it in a consistent way that's been really helpful for me. Wow, yeah, and I really I really appreciate what, um, Tovale, what you brought to us in the very first pos- podcast that we did, which was um, the Sfat Emet um, talking about Hitchadshut, about renewal, and speaking about this opportunity that every month invites us to go through a process of Hitchadshut or renewal, anything that we took on at the very beginning of the year, at the very first, you know, night, first day of Rosh Hashanah, um, one month later, we have the opportunity to say, where are we with that? You know, are we in the same place? Have we moved a little? Do we need to make some mid-course corrections? Do we need to take on something new for ourselves? Because what we took on last month is now easy. Mm-hmm. Um, or do we need to still working and prodding and and um, and exploring these practices, these spiritual practices that we're taking on for ourselves? Right. Or did we, do we need to change something? Because what I thought was... But what I thought I wanted to work on last month doesn't feel as real for me right now. So I really, you know, in terms of checking in with ourselves and, and living our lives with this authenticity and honesty, holding up a real, right, clean mirror to ourselves, as it were. Like, I think we really want to ask ourselves every month, where are we? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Tovalea. Thank you, Darcy. Great. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this Pardes Ayeka podcast on Inspired Parenting. For more about this podcast and other offerings from the Pardes Online Learning Channel, 
visit www.elmod.pardes.org.